Welcome to the Success Journey Show. Let's travel together through the lives of individuals on the road to success. Hey, what's going on, travelers? Uh, we are back with you for another episode. And no, as I'm saying this, we didn't do the fancy introduction. And Mars, I was looking like, man, are we doing introductions? Hey, man, we're going to jump right into it, right? Um, man, this is the, the top of the new year. Uh, and we are so happy that we are, you know, kicking it off with the bang, man. We have a phenomenal guest here with us today, and we're going to jump right into it today. Is that all right, Marlon? We jump right into it? Uh, all right. Yeah, we do it. We'll all do it. Right, we'll, do it. Right. we'll jump into it. We'll jump into it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, no, we have, today we have none other than young Sue Chung uh, with us today, all the way from San Fran. So man, we're we're, we're crossing the uh, crossing our our continent here uh, in North America. We on the on the East Coast. He's over on the West Coast, man. And uh, so, Young Sue, so uh, happy to have you here with us. Welcome to the Success Journey Show, Marlon and Ricky. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, it's it's going to be fun. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, absolutely, sir. man. I, you guys wouldn't believe it. Like we like we we've been talking now for like over thirty almost thirty minutes, and. Uh, no, we we almost forgot we were here for a podcast. <laughs> like we were just having so much fun talking and everything. Uh, so this is definitely going to be a great episode. Uh, we'll allow you guys into the conversation now, right? So, uh, Young Sue, why don't you start off by just sharing just a, a little bit about yourself uh, to our travelers and our listeners around the world? All right. So I started my business in 2015. Uh, it all started with... Um, a company called Urban EDC Supply. And that company sells everyday carry gear. So things you carry on a daily basis, like your pen, your wallet, your, um, you know, your, your pocket knife, flashlight, whatever you carry on a daily basis. So I kind of uh, started with that niche. And then uh, in 2018, we brought home a, a French bulldog. And somehow, you know, we were able to gain a big following on social media. Uh, so he's got over 150,000 followers on all social channels uh, across all social and um yeah so from from there we act we actually uh launched a a dog boutique and uh my my wife and business partner she's the one who manages that the dog business um and so yeah so we, we were actually invited down to la for um filming um shopify invited us down to do a little shoot mm. there and that was really exciting because it was like a professional studio set and everything um, Oh wow! Then, wow! Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, and then in 2020, we we launched a climate neutral certified third party logistics company. So we partner up with other uh, fast growing brands to help them with their shipping and fulfillment. And so that's kind of a, a new area that we that we got into. And then now I'm I'm really excited to uh, share that I have a new podcast called First Class Founders. And this mm. is the podcast that I um, that I wish existed when I first started out on my entrepreneurial journey uh, back in 2015. And so with First Class Founders, I'm just sharing all the knowledge and experiences and setbacks that I had so that, you know, anyone who's listening can avoid those mistakes that I made. So, man, that is loaded. That is loaded. Young it. Sue, man. <laughs> I mean, you started from 2015 and today you, know, you have four different ventures that you have going on. When some people started in 2015, 
and don't even have that one that they started with in 2015, right? And uh, yeah, four uh, successful um, companies moving forward. But you got, we, we have to ask the question. We started at 2015. What in the world happened 2014 or 2013 that made you say, you know what? I'm ready to go yeah. become a serial entrepreneur. Yeah, so um, I, I actually lived in New York for a couple of years before I moved out to San Francisco. Um, yeah, yeah. But right towards the tail end of my uh, New York, um, my New York era, I, I had the itch for, for startups and I just couldn't find the community. This is in 2010, 2011. So I, I couldn't find a community in New York for yeah. startup community, right? So I decided to book a one-way ticket to San Francisco. And wow. um, yeah, it's crazy because, you know, Back in 2010, 2011, it was like we're still recovering from the Great Recession, and so yeah, 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 yeah. You know, my parents thought I was crazy, right, leaving a job. Um, but ultimately, I really thought this was the right step for me in my progression of my career. So, bought a one-way ticket. I knew only two people. Uh, it was a uh, I had a high school friend and I had a college friend, and I actually slept on the floor of my high school friends placed in Berkeley for three months on mm. a an air mattress. So I don't know if you guys ever slept on an air mattress for a very long time. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Your back starts hurting like after a few yes. months, right? So, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. no, I, I did that for three months and I was eating like burritos for lunch every day. And it was just, uh, <laughs> I was, I was, uh, I was looking for um, a job and an apartment at the same time. and it's really challenging because usually one kind of comes after the other, but <laughs> yeah, doing yeah. both is uh, not an easy thing. Um, but yeah, I finally found an apartment and a job around the same time after those three months. And then uh, I joined a startup and that startup had, it was really exciting because it was, it was, I guess you consider like a hot startup. It was in the mobile advertising space. Mm. And so we went to, a lot of events like South by Southwest in Austin, Texas. And mm. uh, we actually had Coolio, the rapper. He, uh, oh, really? He, he stayed rest, with rest us. Peace. Yeah, rest yeah. in peace. Uh, he stayed with us at our, I guess, our, our rental unit. And so, you know, one morning I, I like, I was like just crashing on, again, air mattress on the, on the living room floor of this uh, Airbnb. And, uh, one morning I woke up and he was like sitting on the, you know, dining room table. He was playing his own track on iTunes on his laptop. And he was like rapping to his own tracks. Mm. It was it was insane to see like Julio, like just yep. literally rapping to his own yeah, tracks. Paradise. <laughs> exactly. Right. And uh, that, that, so that was a crazy experience. I met like Mark Cuban and everything. It, it was a really crazy time during that, um, during those wow. years. Um, but then actually the company, didn't uh, started kind of not doing as well. So I was actually laid off uh, in 2014, 2013. And then I decided that um, the reason why I moved to San Francisco in the first place was to start my own company, uh, hopefully meeting other, you know, engineers and I could find a co-founder or, or, you know, whatnot. So I like went back to my roots and I was like, okay, why, why did I move here in the first place? Um, you know, I, I felt like I, I didn't know the engineering side well enough to be able mm. to kind of, um, you know, get involved. So I actually went to a software engineering boot camp for 12, 
14 weeks. And this is like, you know, 8 a.m. till 9 p.m., Monday through Saturday. Mm. Literally, you just eat, breathe, and sleep code. Uh, and so that was like a crazy, I mean, I learned so much. I learned more than I learned during my four years in college during those 12 weeks. It was insane. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Um, so yeah, after that, I was really, um, you know, actually I had an interview. So at the end of this program, they, they, they match up, you know, employers with, um, potential, um, you know, candidates for their, for their, um, company. And I had one interview and I, I actually just bombed that interview. I, I literally went into the interview and in the middle of the interview, they, they told me to leave because they didn't want to waste anyone's time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how bad can that get? Right. Oh. <laughs> um so they they kicked me out and then you know I was like so devastated I went back to the the boot camp and I you know they had this like career advisory you know panel and I, I just went to them I was like listen I I don't know what just happened I feel like I just got run over by a truck or something I, like my confidence was like super low and I was like you know I have another interview with another company in two days like how do I pick myself up from I literally just, I just got kicked out from, from an interview. Right. So, um, so yeah, they just told me, Hey, listen, it's just one thing, you know, it's just, it's just one company. You have another chance in two days, just move on and prepare for that next one. And so that, that's what I did. So, um, the next company was, um, a company called ripple, which is a Ooh. blockchain, um, crypto yeah. company. And so, I got lucky here because they were actually looking for someone to build out um, like a trading platform for them. And when I was in New York, I was working as a trader at some, you know, some financial institutions there. And so I kind of had that background already. And mm. so they saw me and they thought, oh, this guy, you know, he's, he's got financial trading background and literally they're, they're looking for someone to build out a trading platform. And so that interview just went, a lot smoother and i was you know i was able to get in there and i was an early employee there uh and it was just about the time when they started hiring pretty rapidly and so i got in like towards the early part of that rapid hiring phase mm. um and so i joined in march 2013 or i'm sorry march 2014 and then um i stayed there for about a year and a half and i left the company september uh, 2015, uh, because we literally, you know, there's a lot of regulation stuff happening at the time. Yeah. And they wanted to regulate Ripple hard. Hard, right? And yeah. so I was there, you know, our team was actually starting to, uh, we're working on a really exciting project. We were starting to move money on the XRP ledger. And it was super exciting for me because I was literally on the phone with like our um you know um a remittance provider in mexico we were moving mexican pesos and u.s dollars back and forth and it was like we were mm. actually before then there was not a lot of like actual money money moving through the system and but we were actually doing it and i, I got really really excited but then the compliance team and, and the rest of the leadership team told us hey you got to stop because uh you know we got to make sure that we're not going to get destroyed by financial regulation and mm. i totally get that now that when i look back on it i mean obviously it's um you know, it's so unpredictable to all the regulation stuff um but at the time we had so much momentum as a team and you know our team was really scrappy so you know we were kind of like 
we were working really hard. We finally got this to work. And then all of a sudden it's like shut down. And so I actually remember uh, on a Friday, we actually, as a, as a team, we went to go see a movie during the day. It was a Pixar movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I mean, it was a good movie. I love Pixar movies, right? But um, I don't know, it just felt really weird because it's like we, we were going so strong and then we were just like, now we're going to go see a movie together. It just I feel like we're like, little kids or something right so uh. <laughs> so after that uh you know I, I i decided to just go go on my own i didn't want any dependencies and so part of the reason why i didn't stay in crypto to build out a product um it required a lot of like i guess i i would need to build out a team right so there's a lot more uh risk in terms of um you know technical risk uh, along with like regulatory risk so there's there's a lot more uh i guess uh the, the the risk was really really high if i stayed in the crypto space um but i wanted to do something that just it was just me so i was accountable for the success the failure whatever so i started uh urban edc i launched it on october 9th 2015 and uh yeah i, I mean i launched the shop and you know, I had uh, built an audience of about ten thousand Instagram followers uh, on, on an account. And uh, when I launched it, I thought at least one person would would buy something, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it was like dead silent. Yeah. So I sent yeah. that, you know, sent that a newsletter. It's dead silent. Newsletter. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, well, this is like so. Like, this is so weird. Like, am I doing something wrong? Like, should I, you know, I, I regretted kind of leaving ripple at the time right yeah like was, uh and by the way my colleagues at ripple thought i was insane for yeah, leaving. leaving crypto which is hot you know up and coming industry and now i'm selling knives online which made no sense to them <laughs> um so yeah we so i launched to cricket and actually i had a friend who was visiting me and we were actually watching a, a Patriots football game uh, at a Boston bar here in San Francisco. And uh, he was asking, hey, you know, just catching up. How's everything going? So I told him about the shop. And then later that weekend on a Sunday, he actually purchased something from the shop without telling me. And I was like, so like, you know, grateful right. and, and humbled yeah. by the fact that, you know, it's just my high school friend who was the first customer versus I had 10,000 people who are supposedly interested in what I was doing, yep. but you know, no one bought anything. So yeah, that was kind of my entry into entrepreneurship. Oh man, man, man. <laughs> you know what's funny? I I remember when I bought some Ripple because Bitcoin had just shot, right? It went to, I think, 8,000 at that time, right? 8,000 mm -hmm. or whatever it was. And it went up to 18. 2016, I think it went up to 18,000. And then, and then Ripple was right behind. And I'm reading about Ripple. And Bank of America says, hey, we're going to start using Ripple. Um, all these people start saying this because of, and, so, and somebody started explaining it to me. Like, listen, he says, how long does it take? If you had a business deal in France, and they said, send me a million dollars in the next half an hour so we could close out this deal. How would you get a million dollars to France? 
And I'm thinking you can even wire because the wire would take a substantial amount of time and they're like ripple. And I was like, oh snap, this is gonna be, yeah, this is gonna be the new thing. So I started, I bought Ripple. I bought Ripple. I still have Ripple, actually. Um, and you know, of course, the regulation, they went into that daggone long, drawn out, and it kind of killed the momentum. And then, you know, FTX, that well, I think not not just Ripple. I don't think of FTX, but I think all the all the market, yeah, the market just went down, and Ripple didn't shoot. But that's that's great to I, I know somebody that was like at the start of it. yeah, wow, to to to, yeah. to that height that, that that was, I mean that that must have been a fun time. You just seeing like it was probably going at a hundred miles an hour for me. It was crazy, man. It was uh. What's so funny is, so for some reason, Korea is very popular with um, XRP. Uh, and, yep. you know, I would just, whenever I, I would go to Korea to, to visit my family, I would get, you know, people would hit me up and they, they want to like take me out to nice dinners and stuff. These are all like Ripple enthusiasts, right? And so yeah, I was like this, like a, like a, like a mini celebrity in Korea because I was like working for Ripple at the time, and it was just yeah, kind of a crazy time. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know, Rick. So I, I want to go now. So, so now you, you you're leaving out a crypto at the height of its boom. Well, not the height of its boom. It's starting to shoot, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you start this company, this knife, and and you think like I have a hundred, I have ten thousand followers. Everybody exactly says where I was getting ready to go. Yeah. Yep, Everybody says, I love your man. Your product is going to be best. Anything you do, I'm, I'm with you. And then you say, here it is, guys. And, they, and then you hear cricket. Exactly. Cricket. How, what, what does this does to you as somebody that's just going into the entrepreneurial sport um, situation? What did you learn from that whole process? That, just that one process of the, having those followers, but they didn't really push your business like how you thought they would yeah so so this is a great point so what i knew from the start is um so the lesson that i learned there is that your followers aren't necessarily your customers and uh as a side note to that your friends and family are not actually your customers either so if you ask your friends and family for advice or feedback on, you know, what you're doing, like, unless they're actually your target audience, their, their feedback is going to be garbage. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, that is kind of a, a big lesson that I learned is, is that, uh, you want to get feedback from your actual customers. Right. So w- once you start making the first few sales, uh, then you ask them, hey, why did you purchase? Uh, you know, I want to get to know the customers really deeply and understand their psychology behind why they bought that. And then once yep. you start understanding that, your feedback loops uh, really generate kind of like the direction of your company. And so that I think is is the most important lesson I learned there, which is, um, you know, your initial followers and your friends and family don't really count towards you know, building out that product that you have. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That I, man, I, I, I am so with you on that. It, it's a, uh, 
we've experienced that time and time again. We And it's so funny when we're meeting other people that are like new into this entrepreneurial journey and their first thing is like, oh yeah, you know, I have 2,000 followers and I give everybody, everyone give me a dollar and then that's $2,000. Yeah, you're not getting a dollar from your followers. <laughs> Our four <laughs> friends on Facebook. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's just reality. But it's reality. That, that is the, one of the biggest shocks because we hold these platforms so dear to our heart as though it's a real transactional person. And they serve a purpose, right? You know, they serve a purpose, but the purpose is not for you to make money. That's not your customer. That's not your target audience base. And like you said, you know, I, I love how you said, hey, you know what? After you started getting some purchases, you really start to dissect it and dive deeper and really find out, hmm, yeah, you purchased it. But why did you really purchase it? Like, what was it that uh, drew you to say that you need this product? And my question is, is with that, as you started seeing your customer base more and more, were you even more shocked? I know it didn't happen overnight when you realized the fans, the family, they're, they're just fans. It's for people that are just fans. They're not, <laughs> they're not fans. They're fan people. They're just fans, right? Um, you know, and you started seeing more and more people purchase, and you start analyzing. Hmm, I don't, I don't know any of these people, right? Like, right. How did you really start when you start realizing that? How did you start capitalizing off of just going into quote unquote untapped market, but it's a, a new target audience that you never thought that was going to be that target audience to yours? Yeah. Uh, so, I actually did something that I encourage a lot of entrepreneurs do, which is. Uh, I, so I had this concept of this shop, so this everyday carry shop, and I knew there was a community behind it because, you know, there's Reddit groups that are very popular. Um, you know, it's just a, there's a, a cult-like following for, um, you know, people looking into what other people are carrying on their on a daily basis. So I knew there was, there was a community, but I just didn't know if there was a, enough of a market to really build something out of that but um so so what i did was i actually bought products off of amazon and i actually re resold them at you know at, at cost so i didn't make any money on them yeah but i was able to validate the idea that at least people are you know interested in this concept of uh this this shop that's only dedicated to everyday carry and so mm. I did that first. And then once that got going, then I started reaching out to different makers and started collaborating with them. And, you know, I was able to build out a line of products that, uh, you know, based on feedback from, from customers. Um, so that's kind of how it first, first began, which is, you know, you, you should try to validate your ideas uh, as cheaply as possible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then once you find something that works, then you, you kind of double down on that and uh, grow grow from there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I love man. I love I, I love the fact that you didn't you didn't just say okay because some people they because they have the ten thousand follower they have this kind of follower and the first resistance they get ah oh, drop it. A, 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 a Ripple, can you please hire me back? 
Um, remember <laughs> that wrote that one code that saved the day, like kind of thing. Like, um, uh, but you said, okay, let me go and like Ricky said to the on top market, and let me figure out what I need to do to bring these customers in. So now that you're bringing these customers and you're starting to see uh, something develop and you're starting to see some cash flow coming in, how do you how do you transition into saying, okay, now I'm a business owner. I'm seeing money. How do I make decisions with the money coming in, what I'm going, what I'm spending on, and how do I collectively, because just like in the world of finance, granted you were in finance before, those regulations, you have taxes, you have all these different mm -hmm. things. How do you put that together to make your business successful? Yeah. So once you get some cash flow going, uh, it's it's really about return on, on investment. So I, I didn't pay myself for the longest time. Right. And, uh, it's, you really can't. So, you know, a lot of people go into this business thinking, Oh, you know, I'm going to start a business and I'm going to make a lot of money. Well, the truth is you don't make a lot of money for many, many years. If you want your business to grow. Yeah. Um, and so when the cash started flowing in, you know, I just kept reinvesting. So, you know, I would reach out to other makers and they, you know, buy inventory or I would take that money and put it into advertising or whatever uh, needed to happen to, to make, make the, it's a marketplace, right? So you have buyers and sellers. And so wh whichever side of the equation needed more, um, more of a boost, I would put okay. money yeah, yeah. in that area. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of, uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's so crazy. So now I want to know this, right? Are you saving your, or did you save a substantial amount of money from Ripple that you're saying, I don't take a, a paycheck for, for a couple of years. How, how do you pay your, your rent? Are you still sleeping on on, on, on that on, on that mattress yeah, on your back? I don't know if your wife wants to get on that. Right? Did your wife, at this time, do you have your wife? What, What's happening in your life in that aspect? Because that's a very stressful place to be when you're not, you're not having, you're not getting paid on the first or the 15th to sustain your lifestyle. And you still have bills on that side. What do you, what did you do previously? And what do you, what are you doing um, in the then and now to make sure that your lifestyle is maintainable? Hey, you're listening to the Success Journey Show. Just a reminder, follow us on our social media at the Success Journey Show on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Also, you can check us out on our website at thesuccessjourneyshow.com. Enjoy the rest of the show. Yeah, so great question. I think a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, it's the scariest step for them, right? It's like, all right, well, I basically, as long as I check the boxes, go to work, I'm gonna get my paycheck every two weeks, right? Uh, so for me, I, I always knew I was gonna start something on my own. And so mm -hmm. I kind of had that, you know, kind of, um, I guess, uh, like an emergency fund, um, you know, just kind of kept saving and saving because I knew eventually I was gonna make the jump, right? Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of, uh, that was important to have. So I think for, for those who are listening now, I think it's really important to have a long-term vision of your life and your goals. 
And if that vision includes you having and owning a successful business, then you know, you got to start today. You know, guys, you got to start right now, like save up some money, um, you know, whatever you need to do, you need to move to a cheaper place to live, like whatever you need, you gotta, you gotta take those actions or, or at least start planning for that now because each day, you know, compounds. Right. So, um, so yeah, I had some funds that I saved up over time. Um, so that was kind of, that was uh useful to have, but at the same time, you know, not having that, that paycheck coming in, it's, it's a huge motivator. Right. So, I mean, I was like working like crazy hours. I mean, honestly, my, uh, my wife, she, she like, she had just moved to San Francisco and, uh, we were, we were dating at the time. So we weren't um, married yet, but I mean, she was like, so like, I was like working on Friday night and Saturday night and she'd be like, I just moved to this new city. Like, can we go go out to eat or eat something nice or something? <laughs> and I just, I felt really bad, but I mean, it was, I was just so like motivated and driven because it, it, it lights a fire underneath, you know, your butt, like you have to get this going. And so, yeah. yeah. That's what Kiyosaki said. Kiyosaki said that Robert Kiyosaki, I don't know if you read his book, but that he, mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. talked about that. He said a lot of times that nine to five, when you're trying to be an entrepreneur, it's like a crutch. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. You have to, let that nine to five go because now you kill what you, you eat, what you kill kind of thing. Like, and it lights that fire under your butt. So definitely thank you listeners. If you're listening out there, I'm not telling you that you need to quit your job tomorrow <laughs> because he did say the one thing he prefaced and said is that you have to have a substantial amount of money. So some people I know they pay their, their rent for a year or they know they have their rent for at least two years and they say, Everything else they'll figure out, but as long as they have a roof over their head, they'll pay their rent for the for the year, and then they'll just try to hustle the whatever, eat, lights, whatever the situation is. So um, that's I, I love those entrepreneur stories because later on down the road, that's the one that people are going to want to hear. Like, yo, tell me that story again. The time you were sleeping on on an air mattress and you saw Coolio singing. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> So, so when you're looking at uh, e-commerce, man, it it really is a and tell us tell us tell us a little bit more kind of behind the scenes on e-commerce, right? Um, and what my question in this is, you know, a lot of people, you know, they say, oh, I'm going to sell something online, right? In the mm-hmm. Online store, whether it be T-shirts, uh, whether it be other commodities, um, whatever it may be, and it just they just get a website, right? Whether it be a, a, a Shopify, a Wix, or whatever it may be that they can have their product sell on. And then that's it, right? They may do an ad, a couple of ads yeah. here and there, right? But uh, that's it. They're like, oh man, how do I get my, how do I get my product out there? No one's, no one's buying my stuff. No one sees my stuff. What are some strategies that you have used? Um, I'm not actually going to give the whole, you know, IT, you know, away people, but you know, just different strategies or or tools or resources that you use to really like master the space of e-commerce so that you can be successful in this space. Yeah, that's a great question. So I always like to start with the audience first. And so you go to the community wherever, you know, for, for me it was the everyday carrier community. And so just start talking to them like, hey, you know, what, what are some pain points that you have? 
uh, you know, what, how can I help you achieve whatever you're trying to achieve? And what's surprising about that is that um, people kept giving me feedback saying, hey, I see all this cool stuff on Instagram, but I can't, I don't know where to find them. They're, you know, it's a lot of these smaller makers. I don't really know. I wish there was like a place that aggregated everything into one place. And so I got that signal many times, right? And so you start with your audience and you figure out what, what they're looking for. And then you build a product. And for me, it's the product itself is the vehicle for these people who are enthusiastic about everyday carry gear to be able to go in and see, you know, all the stuff in one place and be able to acquire them because uh, in the EDC space, it's very, sometimes very difficult to find uh, that one item. It's like a collectible item. So um, by working with makers and building up those relationships, I was able to first, um, you know, build, build out that, I guess, solve that problem for a lot of these um, customers. Um, and then once we started doing that, then we reinvested back into the business uh, based on feedback. We we were able to leverage our position in the market. And we actually went to other designers, like, you know, hired more well-known designers. And for example, we went to one knife designer in particular. He's like a world, world famous designer. He designs for all sorts of um, crazy companies. And he was willing to take a chance and work with us because of a reputation in the market. And so we work with him. And now that product is our number one best-selling product. And so, you know, we made that knife in conjunction with the designer. And so you can't, you know, now we're producing our own products and this is our number one seller. We can't, like, we can't keep it in stock. It just sells out, right? So I guess it really comes down to, um, you know, starting with the audience, find out what the problem points are and I guess solve it for them and then really double down on the feedback that you get. I mean, the, the customers that your customers should be like just super fans of your shop. I mean, we run a net promoter score NPS and like the feedback that we constantly get is like, Oh, we love your shop. It's like, you know, every, every Wednesday we do a, a, a gear drop and all the okay. new stuff goes in and things sell out really fast. And so these people get an adrenaline rush each time, each Wednesday they go in there and then like things sell out within like a minute. They have to like quickly try to like, buy something uh, before it sells out. And so, um, yeah, so I guess start with the audience and then whatever product you're building, um, think about supply and demand. And so it's always better to work with, uh, it's always better to have less supply. Generating demand is a lot harder than um, having limited supply. And so start with a small amount and see what how it goes. If it sells out, that's awesome. You know, that's a good problem to have. You don't want to have stock that just sits mm -hmm. for a while. And so, like I said, generating demand is so much harder than the supply side. So if you can constrain supply, then you're actually meeting the market with its demand. But now you have this additional layer of like, oh, it's going to sell out again. I got to go go buy it. And so we were, we were able to, with this weekly gear drop system, um, we were able to generate this hype where it's like, oh, if you don't buy it on Wednesday, like you may not be able to buy it again. And so that kind of drives this hype each week. Um, 
And so one other really important, um, I guess, concept is this thing called the 20-mile march. And mm. the 20-mile march is something that it's like a, an action or like a, like for us, it's the weekly gear drop for Urban EDC, where it's something that you can control. And it's, it's something that you, you must do each week. So, you know, you can't miss a single week where, uh, you know, it, it keeps you accountable. So each week we have our gear drop and then we improve from that. And so we haven't missed a gear drop in like what, five, six, seven years now. Mm. And that's allowed us to really, you know, even in like days or weeks where we don't get a lot of inventory, like we still do the email and the gear drop just so that we can get into people's, um, you know, their minds like, oh, we have something exciting each Wednesday. And so when you have that anticipation built up each Wednesday, um, you know, they keep coming back to you. And so having some kind of, um, you know, a, a gear drop or some event each week has really um, kept us accountable and also um, been able to drive this kind of, um, I guess, behavior in our customers. Yeah. Man. So I'm thinking now about what, because you said that, I'm thinking about brands that follow that model, right? So, mm -hmm. of course, you know, Sony PlayStation 5, mm -hmm. like, you can't get it, you can't just walk into a Walmart or a Target and get it today. So, your people are always, I, I even messed up the other day because I'm in the military, I was on the military, I was in, on the base, and I saw it and I was like, they're like, oh, you could buy two. And when I left, I was like, man, I could have bought two and doubled my money just because at Christmas time, that's mm -hmm. how crazy it goes. Then I'm looking at Jordans. Jordans, certain ones would be in the store, but when he drops certain ones, you know, you gotta buy it go. right away. And people are constantly checking whatever medium he uses to push out that 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 thing. Um, even people are staying up late at night billing bots to try to buy it off offline and stuff. So I'm definitely understanding because Ricky and I had a different concept because we have a product that we're selling. And our biggest thing was like, we don't want the demand to be there and not have the product. I don't know if you're thinking about that, Rick, how we're like, we rather have the product and make sure that if somebody buys today, they can get it today. Um, I don't know if that oh. came in. Your mind. No, 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 no. That didn't come in my mind. I, I was, it, it, it was more so, um, yeah, in that regards, in particular, to answer that directly, I it depends on the platform, right? So if if I'm if I'm on um, selling on Amazon, I, I need to make sure I have a certain supply chain to Amazon. I never run out, right? If I'm selling on independent, which you know we're going to start off doing, then I I can have orders come in all day and tell them, hey, it'd be shipped with and and you know, 15 days or 10 days or whatever it may be when I when I get the product in. So, yeah, I wasn't too worried about it on that side. Um, I think one of the biggest things, I don't want to push over, move past, past it too fast because I think this is a critical area that a lot of people overlook. And I think it is the most necessary step in the whole process. And you mentioned it. Um, and that is finding out what your customers want. Mm -hmm. Right. That that is how simple as it sounds. Customer development. That customer discovery 
discovery yeah. is overlooked so much. And then people have a product and they're trying to figure out how to sell it when they never really talk to their customer as to what it is that they actually want. And, 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 and young Sue, like, you give me, you can correct me on this in terms of how many people you talk to, but I, I, I can almost guarantee that it's an evolving process. Like even now you've got your database of people and what they wanted, but even now you're still listening to your customer as they're saying, Hey, uh, maybe I need to do this a little bit more. Maybe I need to do that a little bit more. And you're constantly evolving that based on that customer feedback. So you can get those responses of like, Oh man, every time I come to your site, I, I, everything I, I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. You told me what you wanted. Right. Um, <laughs> And, and, and versus the other way around where you was like, oh, man, I figured it out. I know what they want. Let me just, let me just put it together and I can do a great job putting it together. And then you have something that's sitting on the shelf, right? And I think that's one of the most common mistakes a lot of people make. But I think they make it because they don't. It's such a simple thing to do that people just don't believe that that's like the remedy for it. Like what, what gave you that yeah. insight to really make sure you spent time in that area of finding out what your customer wanted? Yeah. So it's, it's surprising how, how simple that is. Right. But um, it really is. I, I honestly think that it's about ego. So mm. when you start a company, people, want to be like, oh, I'm a startup founder. I can go to these events now and, and wear my shirt or whatever, right? People get wrapped up in this idea of like, wow, I made it. I have a company now. I can, you know, I can say that, right? And like, you, you work on your branding, like your, your merch and all this stuff. But then in reality, like none of that matters. None of that matters. Uh, and what you really want to do is like, just go out and talk to customers. I mean, that's honestly, that is like frightening for a lot of people because they might get their egos hurt, right? It's like, oh, I have this awesome idea. I want to do this. And then, you know, first five people they talk to are like, I, I don't care about like, why, why? Like, there's no reason for you to make that. Like, I don't care, right? And so now you've got all these shirts and brand logos. You built a website, a couple thousand dollars or whatever. And then now it's like, wait, I spent all this money and now nobody wants it. Like, how, how dare they not want it, right? It's like, this is my thing. So I, I really think that it all comes from like the ego side and the best way to build a company uh, is, is really like destroy your ego and your own like, oh, I'm so cool. Like, I, you know, I have a company and just focus on the customer. And, and that, that will resolve, that will solve like probably 80% of the issues in the beginning, I would say. like when you're yeah. first figuring things out. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love, I it. love it. Yeah. So podcast, right. You like, Hey, you know, I'm getting to this point, you know, there are a lot of people. Go ahead. You got something else before that, Marlon? Yeah. But, uh, if you get a segue into podcast, yeah, I yeah, wanted to ahead, talk to one more thing on the e-commerce and even your other business that you, mm -hmm. that you did. And I can, I can see why you did it. Now go with the podcast, Rick, not his podcast, but our podcast. As a result, when people see our podcast, they see it running for four years. Everybody says, I want a podcast. There's a lot of people that start with us that are not here today. 
because they don't understand what happens in the back. They turn on YouTube and they see us three on the screen and we're talking and they're like, oh man, those guys look like they're having fun. They're talking about topics they want to talk about. I want to do just that. Same thing with the e-commerce. I see that you did a third party for the logistics and I understand being military, I understand that logistics is what drives a big portion of any company. Right. What, I, I don't know if my assumption is right, but talk about that third-party logistics company yeah. that you have that tied in with the e-commerce before yeah. we jump into the podcast. So we used a third-party logistics company for our e-commerce brand, um, Urban ADC, in the earlier stages of, of, the, of the company. And we actually had a lot of issues. Like, you know, we had $5,000 worth of goods that went missing. And uh, we had another instance where literally like the customer would email me and say, hey, I received a box, but there's nothing inside. And I'm like, what? There's nothing inside? And so I would check and it turns out that, you know, that, you know, whoever was shipping out packages that day, like it was his last day there at the company and he just pocketed you know, a, a $500 knife, right? And so it was, uh, I had a lot of issues with uh, with that service. And what's funny is I did a lot of research before I went with this provider and they were the best one. They had the highest ratings. And so I'm thinking like, all right, this these guys have the best ratings and this is the level of, this is this, the bar, right? This is the, the bar. I mean, it's, it's pretty low, right? So um, I decided to take it in-house. So all the fulfillment that we were doing, uh, we, we you know, brought it in house. And then that's when our, our dog boutique business started ramping up. And so it's kind of convenient as like all the back end stuff is the same. And the front end is obviously different with the websites and stuff, but the back end operations is all the same. And right? so we were doing that. And then a lot of people were asking, like, who's doing your fulfillment? Because, you know, fulfillment is such a pain point for me. Uh, and so we were just like, hey, we're, we're doing our own. And honestly, we were kind of like we had clients coming to us, like without even, we didn't even have a name. We didn't have a website and we had clients paying us for the service. Right? Mm. So if you think about that, what we talked about just before, I mean, we literally didn't have a website. We didn't have a company name. We didn't have a logo and we had already had paying clients. And so that's when we're like, all right, we have enough people. Let's make this a real thing. And so that's when um, growth jet was born, which is, our climate neutral certified 3PL. Um, and so that's kind of how that turned out in terms of like how, how it began. Uh, and, and honestly, it's a great lesson for, you know, kind of like we got, we got validation from the market real fast with this one, right? So we knew there was going to be demand. So we decided to, to build it out. <laughs> I, I, Rick, we could attest to that. Somebody sees us, um, hey, you edit, who's editing your stuff? Da, da, da. We provide editing for them. Um, who did your, who did your, we had a, we had a, um, we had some stuff that we had done in terms of um, our websites. Who did that for you guys? And so we built a company a digitized, where we digitized people's platform based on people seeing the wants that, the needs that we had and somebody else saying that's our pain point. We did it too. So a lot of people don't understand. Sometimes when you have a company, something else is birthed out of it, just because, like you said, if the bar is this low and they're a high-rated company, and you know you could provide so much of a better service, you could actually have the product in a box. If that is the standard, if that's the bar, exactly. just to have the product in the box, 
I think I can top that. Exactly. <laughs> right? So uh, thank you for that. And uh, Young Sue, man, I'm telling you, you guys cheated. Because dogs, everybody loves dogs, man. <laughs> that, uh, you put those dogs uh, uh, on, um, on Instagram, and, you know, it's over, man. People love dogs. But, uh, Rick, I don't want to take away from your question with the podcast. Oh, no, no. It was a perfect segue, right? So you got all these things going, and now it's like, you know, what kind of stirred up the podcast for you? Was it a series of people asking questions, a lot of questions, and you're like, well, man, I've gone through this journey now. Like, I may not know everything, but I know a lot more than what John is asking me, what Sarah is asking me, and you know, maybe more people want to hear more information about me. And, I, and I'm just speculating as I'm, yeah. you know, just going through it. But tell us the generation of the podcast and tell us a little bit what it focuses on. Yeah. So the podcast really came out of, um, you know, I had all these ideas and thoughts that I wanted to, I guess, uh, put out into the world. Um, but I didn't know the right medium for it. And so initially, you know, I, I, I thought about writing a blog, uh, but I feel like blogs are pretty dead these days. Uh, people get their content elsewhere. So, um, so, and then I, I decided that podcasting was really the right medium for me um, because I also, I'm not, you know, the whole video thing, that's like a whole, it's a lot of, it's a big learning curve. And so I um, decided just, you know, the audio portion, just start there. And then eventually maybe we'll do video in the future. But, um, but yeah, I really wanted to get my ideas out there. And it's really a combination of like everything that I've learned in the last seven years. And, you know, I read a ton of books, not just business books, but philosophy, you know, spirituality. And it's just kind of like, it all fits together. Uh, and so I, um, I wanted to share my thoughts and I, I knew that, you know, people would resonate with it. Uh, and I really, the podcast is for people who, um, who want to get to a certain stage. Like, you know, it's the podcast that I wish I had when I was starting out. And, um, you know, I have each episode is like 10, 15 minutes. They're pretty short. And they talk about like one specific topic. And then I, I, I try to like bring in examples from my own business to kind of show how how that works and so it's really interesting to kind of like show the behind the scenes of you know i'm running this company and you get to kind of like go behind the curtain and see why i'm making certain decisions and why you know this specific concept or framework is is why i made that decision and so it's like a really cool uh, real-time way of like you know seeing i guess running a business in action in a way. Uh, and really I want to provide as much value, um, to, you know, everyone or anyone who wants to build a business. Uh, and I feel like I, I, I have, you know, I could offer them my insights. Right. So that's kind of like how it came about. So, um, the podcast is called first class founders. Um, and you can go on, you know, Apple podcasts and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Um... Yes, sir. I love it. I love. I love that too. Um, now, your wife plays an integral part. I don't want to cut that out because we we always like to talk about the support system that anyone has um, because it's very important. And I wanted you to just shout out your wife and what she does. You know, even yeah. that she started out 
how, what gave her the insight to start out the the, the yeah. Instagram page, um, Spotty Spotted Humphrey, Spotted Humphrey, yeah. um, for um, and, and, um, for your whole business and what yeah. she how she plays in your business and yeah. uh, and putting up with you when she just exactly yeah. working crazy hours and she wanted to see San Fran <laughs> exactly right. So she she on so when we were first dating, uh, you know, I had a corp, I was working at Ripple. And um, when she, so she was actually in New York City. Uh, she, she was working at EY at the accounting firm. Mm -hmm. And um, we connected and then we, we basically, when she moved here, um, you know, she had to put up with a lot of my, my crazy hours and all that stuff. Um, and so she, she was able to, you know, keep me grounded in a way because I, I was, you know, I go through ups and downs too. Um, and so it, it's not easy uh, being a, a solo founder, right? So, you know, me just by myself, I'm, I'm building this business and, um, you know, being able to just talk to her and just kind of lay it all out. Like, Hey, this is what I'm dealing with. Um, and she would just, you know, keep me grounded and like, Hey, don't worry about it. Or, um, you know, she would provide alternative solutions to the issue. Um, mm. so her perspectives are really, really important. And, um, so yeah, in 20, uh, 18, she, she launched her own shop, um, spotted by Humphrey. And that was kind of a, you know, play on words with our dog's name, which is Humphrey. And then his Instagram handle or TikTok handle is, uh, spotted Humphrey. Um, and so she, she does an awesome job. Um, she creates fantastic content for, for our dogs. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the shop has really grown. We, we actually went to, um, LA for, um, a Shopify event where you know they had hired actors and actresses and there's an entire set and Humphrey was was on on the set as well and uh yeah I mean it was just a, such a cool experience um to be part of that and I, I feel like um she's really really great with um just the creative side of, of things where I'm I'm a lot more operational and like kind of like I don't know like, yeah exactly <laughs> engineer side <laughs> So she she is really, really strong with um, the creative aspect, which kind of balances out really well where, um, you know, we bounce ideas off of each other. Like she'll have questions about certain things that, that would happen. And then, you know, I would have ask her questions about, hey, how should we market this or whatever it needs yeah. to be. So, yeah, it's been a great balance. Uh, I love it. Young Sue, and if you can go back, the question would like to ask, if you can go back to that that guy that was getting ready to leave Ripple in 2015, 14, 15, um, to start on this journey and you had 60 seconds to pull yourself aside and just have a quick conversation, what what would you say to yourself? I mean, I was first of all, I was just gonna say, don't leave Ripple, yeah, you know, wait a few more years now. Um, <laughs> Um, no, I, I, I think that, uh, the important thing here is, is really to have that courage and just trust yourself. You know, it's, it's going to be a long journey and just know that, you know, as long as you stick with it and you don't give up, I mean, you, you can't lose until you actually throw in the towel Stop. yourself. And so yeah. you, you can, you know, I mean, if things aren't working, then you can scale back, but. I think it's important to keep going in whatever area that you're interested in and 
really like if you have a calling in that whatever field you're trying to get into then then that's kind of like your you know your your god-given vocation to you know you got to go out there and do it like it's it's your yeah. responsibility to to put yourself out there and help people right so uh, i would say just you know just keep going uh, i you know sometimes it'll be really tough um but you know you'll get through those days and you know after five ten years you'll look back and say wow like can you can you believe like how much i've accomplished and that that feeling is like this so worth it you know in my opinion so um, yeah, yeah. Love it. before we cut out, before we cut yeah. out Riff, were, were, were any of your parents entrepreneurs or anything like that because that entrepreneur spirit from early doesn't i just wanted to know uh, i know our guests would be like was his parents ever did your parents own a business or were they just working and this came about so my dad is a doctor um, mm. and he growing up like he was working at different hospitals so he didn't own his own clinic but um now he does um but i guess that influence didn't really it, like it didn't influence me that much because it happened so so late um and my mom was a uh, stay-at-home mother but um, okay. actually her her side of the family has a lot of entrepreneurs and so i think it was like the genes uh and yeah. so <laughs> Even though she didn't necessarily, she was not entrepreneurial. Uh, it's like her entire family is. And so, and to be honest, I'm like very similar to my mom in a lot of ways. And so I feel like that kind of, uh, that drive and hunger for entrepreneurship kind of came, came through her indirectly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's it. it a great episode. I, I, from the bottom of my heart, I, I enjoyed um, talking to you and I get to actually talk to somebody that was in the inception or conception of Ripple and I still have Ripple till today so hopefully it still does good I don't know if you have <laughs> that's good I don't know so before, uh, before we yeah. let you go I just want to make sure we get uh, and I know we said we did that earlier on but make sure we get a chance for people to be able to look you up and find mm -hmm. you and all all the different things that you're doing so can you just share you know, where they can go, your website. Yeah, so um, the website for, for the podcast is firstclassfounders.com. And then um, if you want to reach me directly, I'm on Twitter at uh, Yong Soo Chung. Yeah, I'm sure you guys will link it in the show notes and everything, so you can find yeah, it yeah. there. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, thank you so much. And to our travelers, uh, listeners all around the world, just want to thank you again for tuning in to the Success Journey Show. Uh, we wouldn't be here without you. Um, and we really want, we love you guys. Uh, we really hope that you guys are able to take this episode and apply it. Um, tune in, tune in to every week. We will have a special guest that comes on to share their journey. But until next time, we hope everyone stays well, stays blessed, stays warm, stay warm, depending on where you are in the country. It's cold over here. Uh, so uh, stay warm, and we'll see you guys next week at the same time, at the same place, on the Success Journey Show. Everyone have a good one. Peace. Uh, one love. You've been listening to the Success Journey Show, where your dreams, drive, determination, and diligence are the foundation to success. For more information, check out thesuccessjourneyshow.com. The Journey Squad is here helping you to your destination.